Hear the word of the Lord, Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightning, thundering, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. And the first living creature was like a lion and the second like a calf. The third had a face like a man and the fourth was a creature like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying, will you read it with me? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Would you give the Lord a great hand of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated today. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me as we begin our time around God's word? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence that we sense moving among us today as we've worshiped you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're with us, you're among us, you've promised to be. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me to preach your word and you'd open our hearts to receive it in Jesus' strong name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm so glad you're here with us this morning and worshiping and lifting our voice in songs of praise, amen. Good to see you here, even though some of you are not where I normally see you, right? I'm Right? Some of you are on the other side. Some of those members of the East, Forest Hill East, have joined the Forest Hill West this morning, and, uh, and vice versa. And that's okay. We're glad you're here to worship with us. Amen. Amen. It is uh, so good to uh, have my friend, uh, Reverend Lewis, with us today. Thank you for worshiping with us today, sir. Amen. He's with us. He's normally pastoring and preaching at Bay Manette. They had a, a loss this week, and uh, he laid his wife to rest, and he's here with us worshiping this morning. I want you to pray for the Lewis family this week. Will you lift them up in prayer? Will you covenant to do that this week? Will you promise to pray? Let's lift them up before the Lord this week. Amen. I want you to turn your heart with me today toward the word of the Lord, the word we just read. I want to remind you as we begin, the foyer is now closed. Our cleaning crew is already in place preparing that for the 10 o'clock service. So if we need a restroom, I would ask you to use the ones up front. The ladies room is on this side. The men's room is on this side. You can find them right through those doors. Amen. So thank you for helping us with that. If you have a, a tablet or phone or device and you're following along with us, you can find the notes in the U version app 
search for the live event force till and you'll find us there amen let's get right into god's word today revelation 4 that we just read verses 1 to 8 it's a beautiful passage when john wrote revelation it was a very dark hour for the church it was a very difficult time for christians he was having a very rough time personally and the church was corporately the church was being persecuted by the roman government the apostles paul and peter had both been executed by a wicked emperor named Nero. When Nero died, the Christians hoped that things would get better. But the emperor who followed him was a man named Domitian. And Domitian started a persecution that was even more widespread in public than the one Nero had instituted. When John writes the book of Revelation, he has taken persecution to a whole nother level. Christians are being turned in by their neighbors simply for believing in Jesus. And they turned them in for a reward. If you were accused and found guilty of being a Christian, you could have your property confiscated and given as a reward to your neighbors. You could be cast into prison. And if you did not renounce your faith, you would likely be killed, possibly in the Roman Colosseum for sport and entertainment in front of the Roman crowd that gathered there. John himself was also having a rough time. When he writes Revelation, he's not writing from a pastor study somewhere in one of his churches that he leads. No, he has been exiled to the island of Patmos. It's a prison island and he's been sent there under Roman authority to uh, to die. Thankfully, the, the emperor dies before John does and some Christians go out on a boat and rescue him and bring him back to Asia Minor and that's how we get the book of Revelation but while John is there uh, he is exiled on the Isle of Patmos the Lord appears to him judging from all appearances Christians were on the losing side of history at this point but I want to remind you today things are often not as they appear amen Things are not always as they appear. And so we don't judge by sight, we live by faith. Revelation 1, the Bible says, John tells the people, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. While John is praying, worshiping Jesus during his quarantine on a Sunday morning, the Bible says that the God of the universe violently rips back the curtain between the visible and the invisible realm, between the natural and the supernatural, the physical and the spiritual. John's burn-damaged eyes, tradition says he'd been boiled in oil and survived. His eyes are open to see the invisible, and he writes to the Christians in the midst of a great temporary crisis about some even greater eternal truths that will anchor their heart to get them through difficult times. I'm here today to remind us that there are some great eternal truths that will get us through difficult times like the current crisis we're facing right now. Amen? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God's Word is more relevant than whatever you heard on Fox News this morning. And God's Word has some principles that we can live our lives by and tie our hearts to when everything around us seems to be shaking and giving way. Are you thankful for that? Would you say amen? 
I want to give you three great truths today. The first one is this. God is still on the throne. Say that with me. God is still on the throne. In Revelation 4, the Bible tells us in verse 2, immediately I was in the Spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven. There is a throne in heaven. I've got even better news. Not only is there a throne, it's an occupied throne because the rest of the verse says, and one sat on the throne. Amen? I'm thankful there's not only a throne, there's someone sitting on it today. And it's one. Say one. There's only one who's ever sat upon that throne. And there's only one who ever will sit upon that throne. And it's the Lord God Almighty, the King of creation that we've worshipped this morning in song. Amen? I'm thankful for that. The Lord reigns. Amen. While other Christians were being dragged before the emperor's throne in Rome, John sees God's throne in heaven. And he's reminded that above all the power of this world, there is a greater power that supersedes above them. He's reminded that our God rules and overrules. And no matter who occupies any or every earthly seat of power, there is a God in heaven who occupies that throne with all authority. When Jesus rose from the dead, he proclaimed in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. All authority. Jesus has authority over every other authority. That's what he tells us in his word. His resurrection was the proof that that claim was true. Many of us have been alarmed today at the level of governmental control that we've experienced the last few weeks. More than a few of us are alarmed and even concerned at the level of governmental control. Some of us would call it overreach. Some of us believe they're just doing the best they can to help us get through the crisis. What Whatever you may believe today, I want to encourage you today that you don't have to be alarmed and we don't have to live in fear of that. Amen? You may feel like your life is out of control. I have a news flash for you. Your life's always been out of control. <laughs> You've never really been in control. You may have thought you were, but you weren't. Amen? It is the illusion of control. Uh, that, that is something. Uh, we were never really in control. That's always been an illusion. It's a lie the devil wants us to believe so that we will take the bait like Pastor Austin preached about a few minutes ago with a mousetrap. If you and I believe that we're the God of our own lives, if we're in control of our own destiny, then I get to do whatever I want to. Amen? That's a trap. That's to grab hold of the cheese and take the bait. That's the temptation that Adam and Eve faced to ignore God and, and throw him off as being their Lord and master and to reach out their hand and take control of their own destiny. That is a great temptation. It was the first temptation. And you and I had better not fall into it today. We've never really been in control. But just because, you're, just because your life or, or things in, are not going right for you doesn't mean that history is a driverless chariot. It doesn't mean you're in the grip of the government or even worse, the grip of the evil one just because it's out of your hands doesn't mean it's out of his hands amen it's in his hands today years ago when Queen Elizabeth was crowned by the Archbishop of Canterbury he laid the crown on her head with this sure pronouncement he said I give thee O sovereign lady this crown to wear until he who reserves the right to wear it shall return 
He was reminding her, the authority you exercise is borrowed authority. And one day the owner of all authority will come and claim your rule and reign back. One day the crown that sits on every ruler's head will be sitting on the head of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. He will exercise all authority in the end so we don't have to be afraid. Any power the government exercises today is borrowed from the Lord Jesus. And he will take it back one day and demand a full accounting of everyone who ever stood in any position of power. So we don't have to be afraid. Fear not. Amen. Relax. Our God reigns forever. The Lord is on his throne. The Lord reigns. He reigns. The second truth that we can anchor our hearts to this morning is this. Christ is still with his church. I love Revelation. I love the visions. They're so telling. The Bible says in John 4 that he saw the Lord God Almighty, the Father, the Creator, sitting on the throne of the universe. But in Revelation, the first few chapters, he also sees the Lord Jesus. And I want you to notice where the Lord Jesus is when he sees him for the first time. The first time he sees Jesus, is not chapter 4, it's chapter 1. And in Revelation chapter 1, when he sees Jesus, the Bible tells us where he is. Revelation 1 and 12. I turned to see the voice behind me that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girded about the chest with a golden band, eyes like fire, feet like fine brass, and a voice like like many waters. There he stands. Where is he? He's walking around the middle of seven golden lampstands. Well, what does that mean? Verse 20 will enlighten us as to what it means. Verse 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the messengers or angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Where is Jesus? Walking around in the middle of his church. That's where Jesus is. Where is he? He's with us. He's down here. He's walking among God's people. In Revelation and John, numbers are always significant. And seven is the number of completion. Amen? That woman at the well had met six men and she needed to meet number seven, the Lord Jesus. Amen? He was going to complete her life. There are seven churches in Revelation. There are seven spirits before the throne. There's one Holy Spirit. Why seven? The full of the Spirit. All that He is and brings is there in the presence of God. And these seven churches are seven literal churches, but they represent the whole church, God's church in all times and all places all over the earth. And where is Jesus? He's in the church. He's walking around in the middle of his people. Oh, that gives me comfort today. Jesus is not standing aloof from us. He is not distanced from us. He is not waving at us over the balcony of heaven, wishing us well, hoping everything goes well. No, no, no. He is with us. He is close at hand. He is near to us, the Bible says. Jesus is right where he promised to be. Matthew 18 and 20, he said, for where two or three are gathered together, 
together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Jesus is in this very room this morning. His presence is with us. He promised he'd be with us when we gathered in his name. He told them in in Matthew 28 and 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. Say present help. He's not a distant help. He's a present help in time of trouble. The latter part of the chapter, verses 7 and 11, repeat and say, For the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Where is he? With us. That's where he is. God is with us. That's what the name Emmanuel even means. God is with us. Amen. He's the Christ of the candlesticks. He's the Lord of the lampstands. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. The Lord is with us. Say with us. So God is still on his throne. And the Lord Jesus is still with his church. And the third and final great truth that we can anchor our heart and life to today is this. His people still win in the end. Say that with me. His people still win in the end. This is the great news of the book of Revelation. Some Christians are afraid of Revelation. They shy away from the book of Revelation. It wasn't written to scare you. It was written to encourage you. (laughs) It's a good book. The Bible says blessed is the man who reads the book. Amen. And blessed is the one who hears it. It, There's a blessing in the book of Revelation. And this is the blessing. The Lord Jesus is going to come back and his people are going to win in the end. We're going to rule and reign with him on the earth. And all sorrow and brokenness and sin and sickness and death will be done away with. And we're going to win when it's all over. In Revelation 5, John sees another scene, a vision of heaven. And in heaven, God is standing there and he has a scroll. What is a scroll? Well, it's a little rolled up piece of parchment paper. And this scroll has seven seals on it. You unroll it and there's a seal. And you have to break the seal. And then you unroll it a little further. And what these seven seals do is they tell the future. As you unroll that scroll, it unrolls the destiny of the human race. It's the future of the world in this scroll. And John is weeping because no one in heaven is found worthy to unlock that scroll and tell what will happen in the future. No one is found worthy to lead us from this world of sin and brokenness and death into that future world of light and goodness and holiness and peace. And John begins to weep but the Bible says in Revelation 5 verse 4, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seals. And I looked and beheld in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders. He's looking for this lion of Judah. But when he turns around, he doesn't see a lion. He turns around and says, I saw a lamb as though it had been slain from the foundation of the world. Who is this one who can open the scroll? The lion of Judah, the lamb of God, one and the same. The Lord Jesus has the future of the world in his hand and he is able to bring this world from its broken fallen state now to its final end in the kingdom of God and he will do that just as surely as you and I are sitting here today. Jesus controls the destiny of the universe. That's what we declare when we say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.
We declare that. The Romans would require every year their citizens to stand in front of a statue of the emperor and burn incense and declare Caesar is Lord. The Christians wouldn't do it because they said he's a man just like I am. He's not God. He's not Lord. He'll die and go back to the dust just like I will. And the Christians wouldn't confess it because the Christians had another confession of faith. You see, before they would let you enter the waters of baptism, you had to open your mouth and confess Jesus is Lord. And then they'd baptize you. Well, the Christian had already declared Jesus is Lord. So he couldn't with the same mouth say that Caesar is Lord. That would be a lie and a disloyalty to the Lord Jesus. So the emperor would come and when they would not bow their knee, when they would not worship the emperor and declare that he was God, they would shout back, no, Jesus is Lord. And the emperor would say, well, I'll show you. And he would persecute them and kill them and cast them into prison. What was John's answer to all this? He looked at Nero and Domitian and he looked at the church and he said, that's okay. One day very soon, the Lord Jesus Jesus will show you that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue will confess in the end the lordship of our Christ. Amen? How does the story of human history end? What happens to the people of God who are currently experiencing suffering and persecution for Christ? Does the light defeat the darkness? Does the wrong ever get set right? Do disease and famine ever end? Do the nations ever stop fighting each other? Does death have the last word? Does the devil and his horde of evil win in the end? There is only one person in the whole universe worthy to break the scroll on tomorrow, to unlock the scroll of the future, to implement God's plan and purpose for history. And that, per that person is the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. Amen. Christian, we don't have to fear government control because our God still reigns on the throne. We don't have to fear economic collapse because the same Lord Jesus that holds the pastors of seven churches in his hand holds you in the palm of his nail-scarred hand too. And he will take care of you just like he always has. We don't have to fear COVID-19 or sickness or disease or even death itself. Why? Revelation 1 says, He laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Why were the early Christians willing to die rather than renounce their faith? Because they served a risen Savior. They followed a living Lord. And they believed with all their heart that he who walked out of the grave by his own power will have the key to their grave too and he would unlock the grave for them one day and they would come walking out just like he came walking out victorious over death and hell hear me I've read the back of the book and we win that's the good news of the book of Revelation the good news of the gospel Revelation eleven fifteen. the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ and he shall reign how long forever the Lord reigns take heart child of God let God do for you this Sunday morning what he did for John 
two millennia ago. Let him open your eyes to the reality, to the truth that we celebrate today. Let him lift your gaze to see past the temporary and to look at the eternal. By faith, like Abraham, you can see the invisible if you'll look close enough with the eyes of faith. In Revelation 4, the Bible says John was able to see this because a door opened in heaven. Say a door. I believe there's a link between the end of Revelation 3 and the beginning of Revelation 4. And I close with this. Revelation 4 says there's a door opened in heaven. Revelation 3 ends by saying there was a door closed on the earth. What was the door closed on the earth? It was the church door. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20 to a lukewarm church that had lost its passion for Christ and the kingdom of God and had gotten comfortable in this world, he says to them, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you will open the door, I will come in and dine with you, have fellowship with you and you with me. But you have to open the door. And I believe they did open the door. And when they open the door, the door opens in heaven. Isn't that amazing? When I open the door on my side, the door's already open on God's side. God wants you to open the door so that the perspective of heaven floods into your life. A few months back, a couple months back, my son Sean and I were working on math homework upstairs. And we were just about finished. We are on the last problem. And I had the door to my little office open up there where we were studying. And his mom had been baking chocolate chip cookies downstairs. And a few, about problem number 28, we had 30 problems, about the last problem, all of a sudden Shay opened the door in heaven. She opened that oven door and flooding up the stairs came the aroma of chocolate chip cookies. We wrote down an answer on that last question, slammed that math book shut. Sean looked at me and said, do you smell that? I said, yes, let's go. And we came running down those stairs. The aroma of that other room had invaded the room we were in. Why? Because somebody opened a door. Can I tell you, if you will worship Jesus during this season, if you will read God's word, if you will pray, if you will get a song on your heart and sing it to the Lord, a little door can open in your heart. And the aroma and the smell and the sights and the sounds of another world can invade your life. And instead of being discouraged, you can be encouraged today. Because it's all true. It's all real. Our God still reigns on the throne. Amen. The Lord reigns. He does reign. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, dear heart, child of God, can I ask you today, have you ever opened that little door? For the first time, have you ever opened that door? Have you ever opened the door in your heart to Jesus? Have you ever invited the Lord Jesus to come in? I hope you have. If you haven't, today would be a great day to do that. What do you mean, Pastor? Confess that your life's been closed off from God by your sin and rebellion and your insistence on acting like your God. And repent of that. Ask God to forgive you of that. And ask the Lord to come into your life. Say to God, I believe when Jesus died on that cross, he died and rose for me. And his death and blood was enough to pay the price for my sin. And I trust the one who rose from the dead to get me out of the grave of my sin today. And to give me a new heart and a new life and to resurrect my dead heart. Lord, come into my life. I'm opening a door. Will you come into my life? I'll follow and serve you if you will. It's as simple as that. Trust in Christ. Cry out to him, ask him to save you, and he will. I hope you'll do that today if you haven't. If you do, I hope you'll let us know that you do that. There's a stack of these little books. 
with the offering receptacles as you leave today. Great little book written by Pastor Quinley back there called Your First Steps. There's a card in there, and if you trust Christ today, I want you to take that little card, and I want you to contact us using that card and let us know you trusted in Jesus. And we want to help you take your next steps. Amen? But can I pray with you today before we dismiss? Father, I pray if there's one in the room that's not a believer, that today would be the day you convict them of their sin and show them their need of Christ. And that today they would get alone with God and pray to receive Him and open that little door in their heart. Father, I pray for the rest of us today. Maybe some of us feel like you're distant and far away. Maybe we've lost our passion and gotten cold like that church at Laodicea. Maybe we need to open the door again. Father, I pray that you'd help us to do that. Lord, I pray for the believer today whose earthly difficulties, whose trials have stolen their peace and obscured the sense of your presence and nearness. Lord, today I pray that you would come. Lord, you'd move in their life and that you'd open, help them open that little door so they can experience your presence and power afresh and leave encouraged and not discouraged in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Would you give the Lord a great hand of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. I want to tell you today, I love you, and I am so glad to see you in this room this morning. Amen. So glad to see you in the room this morning. Uh, we do need you to register week by week because some of you will be here some weeks and not others. Others will be joining us as they feel more comfortable. I know that's a little inconvenient, but it really does help us. It lets us know that we can get everybody in the room safely. So please help us to continue to do that. As we dismiss today, I do need us to move quickly, but we do want to maintain distance while we move. For that reason, our ushers are going to dismiss us one section at the time. I also would encourage you not to linger. Number one, because we need to flip the space and we need to get everybody out of here. And the other reason is because that was thunder, not something we were doing with the sound system. <laughs> Amen. So you might want to move with a purpose today. Amen. Uh, so move out quickly. We're going to clean and prep for the 10 o'clock. Do continue to register. I invite you to give at the door. And if you've trusted Christ today and don't know where to begin, this little book is gold and will help you start the journey with Christ. Amen. Would you receive this blessing from the Lord? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and grant you His peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Our ushers will lead us.